maybe depleted uranium or something. Something to like really <laughs> mess it up. <laughs> uranium. Turn your backyard into Chernobyl in three easy steps. Welcome back to another episode of the Refactor Podcast, the show where we try and help ourselves and you suck a little less each day. My name is Frank Cole. And my name is Chris Tonkinson. And this is episode 46 on November 9th, 2021. Where the hell were you last week? Where was I last yeah, week? Yeah, where were you? Like we we missed a we missed a week of recording because well, okay. We missed a recording on Tuesday. Well, that was schedule my fault. issues. That was that was yeah. Okay, so Tuesday was my fault, technicalities. Thanks a lot, Adobe, for updating and then breaking all of my date my audio inputs again. Really appreciate yeah, see that. See episode forty or whatever something. the it was heck only a couple it was. weeks ago, the last you know, time it happened. That's kind of crazy. Such a pain in the butt. Yeah. It happened Ridiculous. now. Now I'm into now we're using Audition twenty twenty two. So, you know. Oh goody. Oh yeah. Yeah, like it, Goody. You know, we're rolling I'm, along here. I'm excited. Why, why are I'm we still excited. versioning? Why? Why are we versioning in this age of subscription apps where I just use your app? It, 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 I, I don't understand. I don't, I don't get it. But anyway, so, all right, we missed last week. We still haven't pushed up the episode from the week before that. Like, I'm still waiting on a PR from you to push that episode up. 45 is not up on the site yet. Well, That's I'm, your I'm waiting on you now. No, you're not. I'm waiting put, on you now. No, no, you're not. That's no, you're my not. wife. My wife hates that, by the way. You know, whatever happens, and we're ready to why. go and I have to go take care of something. And then, you know, as I'm as I'm power walking past her to the car, it's like, oh, waiting on you. I get hit every time. It's awesome. Well, I can I can see I, I, I kind of this is it, it, yet again, your wife and I have something that we share in common about things that we don't like about you. That's um. You know, it's a long that, list. It is a long list. I don't know why you <laughs> married her. That's the part that just doesn't make sense, actually, as I'm sitting here thinking about it. No, no. Me marrying her is an easy one. Her marrying me. That's where you got to raise your eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> right. So anyway, 45 is still sitting out there. We've got to get, oh, that, man. We had, get that done. We had a we had a, a triple sandwich of sick kids and nobody was sleeping and some stuff popped off at work. It's just it's been. It's been a nightmare the last. Are, are you of weeks, are you out of the so. woods? Are you out of the woods? Yeah, yeah, I think we are. I think we are. Well, that's good. Uh, which is which is good. So to your question, I do I do anticipate um, I do anticipate pushing out forty five today. Um, about time. Now you now it's on tape. About time. Now now it's yeah, now, now it's on it's, the record. Now it's on tape. You, right. You can't get right. away. But with nobody it. will find that out for another week, and by that point, nobody cares anymore. So it kind of doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I got you. I, um, I, I think I'm not sure if you and I had, had talked about it, but, um, recently, uh, we've been talking stock options at work. Uh, uh-huh. and this is a, I, I feel like this is a pretty common thing that most engineers run into, especially if you're, you know, in tech and tech startups and dealing with stock options. I wanted to do a quick rundown you can read about these things online, but I feel like they they miss the, the the a lot of the how-to articles, the basics on this miss the key point at the end. They cover all the basics of what a stock option is, and but they they miss the part about okay, so what does this mean to me, and you know how should I care, and how do I actually calculate the value of this thing 
versus you know the total package and things like that. That's yeah, the part I'm that into I feel it. Like I'm into it, and I would say most most people in technology that are in the funded startup space, mm-hmm. which is a lot, a whole swath of dark matter developers, you know, toiling away for. IBM-ish organizations that they got no stock, they got no options, they got nothing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you and I have both been in situations where, you know, we've had stock and we've had situations where there is, where there's no stock. And I've been in startups without stock and I've been Mm in- um, With and without. Yeah. With and without. But I think, I think a lot of people's career path is like, okay, get out of college, internship maybe, and then go to ABC Corp grinding away, grinding away code. And that's fine, but there's not necessarily exposure- that doesn't this realm. It won't give you yeah. exposure to this realm. Now, I mean, to say nothing, uh, you know, so, you know, quick, uh, you know, quick sidebar. The, um, wow, we made it a whole 90 seconds into this one before we played the jingle. I'm not sure. I did that one at the beginning. I'm not sure if I wanted to be. Well, I, I, you drink the drink. So, yeah, you got to you got to hand the drink first. So the bartender's got to give you the drink. So we'll do the sounder at the start. Anyway. Yeah, you got to you got to get loosened up for the conversation. We just did a sidebar to a sidebar. That's some serious meta inception We're, crap right there. This is a professional operation. This I keep pro- saying it week after week. Before before we even get started on the stock options and 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 that route, um, yeah, I think you you made you made an interesting point talking about you you go out, you do your internship, you get hired by XYZ Corp, and I would encourage people who are new in the field to go for stuff. And I, I may have said this before, but I would encourage newbies to go for stuff that's smaller. Don't actually work for the big guys. When you work for the big guys, you get, you get cogged. You, you are, you become a cog in the machine and you have your one job and it, you do that one job and you don't get the exposure to the broader ecosystem that you can, yeah, that you can otherwise we've touch. About we've this touched before, about though. A little we've, bit. We've talked about that at, at, at some length with regard to what the, what the longer term impacts, pros and cons are to yourself and your career starting off in XYZ Corp versus starting off as an entrepreneur or a freelancer or in a small business, which are all tactically kind of the same type of feel in terms Similar, of the technology work. Yeah. Whether you, you know, whether you're, whether you're a, a, a solopreneur, whether you're involved with a, a, a very early startup, like the actual tech work you're doing is all the same. Like whether it's your business or somebody else's, my point is that the technical work is is very much the same in all of those different. It, so I I don't see a lot of uh, a big, um, I don't see a big value in separating those. It's like that stuff versus corporate kind of. Well, I see a difference between working for yourself and bootstrapping versus working for an established company that has employees and a product. It just happens to be on a small scale. Like I still feel like those are two fundamentally different roles. Like if I'm bootstrapping, the things that I'm focused on. No, no, what I'm, no, so you're, no, I put that over like, okay, what I'm saying is, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that, that whether I go out, like if I quit my job tomorrow and I go and I start a company and it's just me Mm -hmm. versus me and four other friends starting a company versus me joining via mostly sweat equity a startup that's 15 people and growing mm-hmm. the ta- the tactical technical work in those cases is all the same now if you want to yes. say a of a 400 person b series that's us if you want to call that a startup 
okay, yeah, that job would would start to look a little different in my mind in terms of being established with a product. Basically, I like are you are you pre one point Like it's it's probably not a point worth worth making because that's not actually where you wanted to take this. Yeah, so it was just it was ignore just the whole thing. We'll we'll cut this out in post. Yeah, well, well this will this will <laughs> end up on the cutting room floor. I was just and. I still think we're not talking the same thing, but that's okay because I don't want to go too far down. No, the no, I, your, hole. your point, your point is in like a different dimension. I don't want to detract yeah. from that. So go charge, charge ahead. A- any, anyway, uh, I yield the talking d- stick. <laughs> so, uh, my 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 professional advice is go for for a smaller org, just because you get to wear more hats. That's you know the type of work is almost irrelevant, whether it's a startup, whether it's a uh, a local, a local place, a mom and pop, a nonprofit doesn't matter. Just go smaller, wear more hats, get broader experience, and you also get more ability to steer yourself. Um, anyway, that's that's besides the point. Now, stock—that's something that you run into in things in the startup ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, places that are established—they are semi-established. They are um, most often. They have some kind of uh, venture backing. Uh, There are, you know, you can do sweat equity type of stock, you know, companies that are just sort of starting themselves up by their bootstraps. That does happen. But normally stock. Yeah. In my mind, anything to the left of IPO, you should at least if you're interviewing with a company, you should at least ask the question about. And what we let's so we're going to say stock, we're going to say options. Let's just say at the outset. Equity. Let's use okay. that as the overall term. Equity means that you have a stake in the organization, whatever right. that means. And for the purposes, I think just to clarify so that you and I are talking the same language, I would say if if you're thinking about an organization or if you've got an offer from an organization, you're talking to one anywhere to the left of an IPO, whether it's two guys in a garage all the way up to we just secured 400 million in a C series. Mm-hmm. Equity should be a question that you ask. And that's a that's a consideration. And so equity could come in the form of uh, usually restricted stock units, RSU or options. And so that's, I think, where we I hand the talking. Yeah. So it's it's worth asking the question just to make sure, because there are companies that are fully established, fully grown, mature companies that have stock. You'll never you'll never realize that stock have equity. You'll never realize that equity in an IPO type of situation where that actually converts to public shares, but you own this equity and the company recognizes your equity piece in its annual performance. So my father's company was was like this when, when he was working full time. He worked for a financial analyst firm and they, uh, you know, he had equity and it was realized on an annual basis based on how the company did that year. And, and then, when, and when financial, when, when finance people say realize, they mean either you get a bill or a check. Right, exactly. And so he would get, so in, in this case, realize means you get paid. He, get, he would get paid. So end of the year company did well. We had, we made this, you know, we made this much in profit and we distribute that profit in percentage basis out to the people that have equity. And so he would get a piece of that of that profit based on his his equity, based on the percentage of, of equity. Um company was private. Right. So if the company entirely- had, if the company had a hundred dollars in profit and you have one percent equity, you get a check for a dollar. You got a check for a buck. Exactly. And so yeah. that company was private, small, less than a hundred people, 
And it just operated like that for years. No IPO. So that's, that's, mm-hmm. that is an equity situation. So even in smaller organizations, it's worth at least asking the question. Um, most times the answer is no, but you're never going to get dinged, I think, for asking. Um, where it gets more interesting, obviously, is the stuff that you described. Anything left of IPO, where the company is venture back, the goal is a sale, the goal is um, IPO, which is initial public offering. You know, the company actually goes public and they start selling their stock on a publicly traded uh, exchange. And you'll, and you'll, you'll ask about equity and, and the term, you know, exit strategy may come up. It doesn't have to be the exit strategy, meaning what are the founders, what are the principal owners going to do to convert this company into a boatload of money for themselves? It doesn't have to be an IPO, which is when a company lists their shares on a stock market like Nisey. The, the, the exit strategy can be acquisition. Mm-hmm. So we have, and we're going to get bought by Amazon, right? And so in that case, if you have equity in the company that gets bought by Amazon, there will be net proceeds from the sale. And then you will realize that is to say, get a check for your percentage of that. So there are, and, and there are other ways too, but there are different, different exit events or liquidity events uh, and liquidity just means money uh, that can result in you realizing your, uh, your, your stake. Right. And so it's good to ask those questions too, because it actually gives you a pretty good understanding of how the company is going to be run and you know, where it's headed, you know, every, what the strategic goal is. Yeah. Yeah. What the strategic Mm -hmm. goal is, is going to influence all the decisions that get made business wise. And so it's good to know that because then you will be um, better prepared for what is, is actually happening. So for example, if the company's going IPO, they're going to be uh, at some point along that track, they are going to start to get heavily focused on making sure that they're meeting regulation and compliance requirements. There are certain things about how the company operates and the way that they do business and how they do business that they're going to have to do things in a certain way. And so following the rules and regulations becomes important. And so you end up spending some time on bureaucracy and and process and procedure and things like that versus a company that's trying to be acquired, not going to be focused on that at all. They want to make their offering as uh, enticing to buyers as possible. And so the focus is going to be almost 100% on the product, what it does, what it looks like, and how it looks. And so you have much more focus on features and functions and marketing too. You have a lot of marketing effort uh, oriented at you know saying the right things to the right people. Yeah, I think I think that's an important component. Either way, I would say that a company that's leaning towards a company that's that's trajecting towards IPO is is going to be more. I would say. The difference in IPO or acquisition would be whether you are focused towards uh, margin versus, you know, total addressable market potential. That's another right? good Because I understand, yeah, like, if, work. like if, I'm a, if I'm acquiring a smaller company, I care what they're going to do to my business strategy, whether they're increasing my total, you know, TAM, total addressable market, uh, or whether they complement my you know, my current portfolio of offerings or whether they bring me customers in the markets that I want to get into. Those are the things that you think about in terms of acquiring a company. From an IPO perspective, if I'm the company that's going to go public, I want to make sure my margins are good. I want to make sure that I'm cash flow positive because mm-hmm. one of the things that's that public companies are, and you know, I can speak with a little bit of authority and my the company I work for recently recently went public on Nisey. The one of the things you care about is margin, right? What is your net profit? Because that's going to affect your EPS, your earning per share ratio, which is just one of the many metrics of, of company health. So like, in other words, a company that's 
burning money every month, like net loss every month mm -hmm. and getting deeper may still be an attractive buy for, for a company, but that company is not going to go public successfully, right? Not they're in, in the not hole in that and they're state. still digging. Yeah, exactly. But there exactly. are startups that they, I mean, there are phases to this too. An early stage oh, company yeah. oh, is going to yeah. burn tons of cash without making anything like back. Crazy. And then eventually, if they want to go IPO, they do have to flip that switch and, and get into the uh, the positive revenue that that, that has to happen. Um, so you can have both in a single company, but the exit strategy where the company is actually oriented, what they're actually trying to do end game, yeah. that matters because it will it will dictate the things that we're that we're talking about. And just to be like just to be prescriptive there, like in an interview, I would simply ask. That, you know, if you're if you're talking about an offer or you've got an offer, I would say, okay, uh, what about equity? And can you can you share your the exit strategy? That just be blunt. Mm -hmm. You know, if you if it's not a public company already, and they might say we don't have an exit strategy, we are private, and we're going to stay that way, and we're doing our thing. Great, that's that that's not a bad thing. Tons of companies do that, and it can be really profitable and a really good place to work. Right, you work mm -hmm. for a public company, or you work for a company that's angling towards acquisition can cause weirdness in your day to day. Um, but yeah, you can just as ask we both question. can attest. Like, <laughs> like the, the HR or hiring manager, like that's, that's a fair, it's a very fair question to ask and you can just ask. It's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, sometimes they get weird with uh, you know, uh, talking about the, the stock prices and things like that. But even those, those are perfectly valid questions, particularly the strike price, which is how much the shares are worth that you are given, you know, you are given a, um, when you, when you get into well, the, op so strike price, strike prices for options for options. Right. Yeah. Did I say, did I say stock or did I say options? Did I say yeah. stock? Yeah. Oh, so, okay. so let's start, let's start, the, let's start with stock. Cause that's, that's the easy one. So let's say the company, okay. you know, they're, they're, they're public and they, they distribute there's, they're floating a hundred million shares okay. and you're going to get a thousand shares for as a as a hiring bonus, right? Yet that share, that's a percentage one one hundred millionth of the company. So when those re, then those gains are realized, when those checks come out, you get one one millionth of whatever that net number is for every one share that you've gotten. So you can do the calculation based on whatever the current price of the company is at trading at that day and figure out what that's actually worth to you. Right. And that's that's just that's a share. And you gotta be careful though, because if you if you are a public company, there are rules about trading your own company stock. So, uh, SEC is is very strict about what you can and can't do with shares of your own company on the public market. Um, you have to be very careful about blackout dates, which are periods where you can't buy or sell your own company shares. And there's also a lot of people that suggest you shouldn't be invested in your own company on the public market. Uh, because it overextends your risk profile with that organization. So, for example, uh, let's say I, I, I'm blessed not to be, but let's say I work for a company that's on shaky financial footing and I have a ton of my own money invested or I have a bunch of shares that I didn't cash out, right? I've got a lot of my net worth in shares of the company. Let's say that company goes bust tomorrow. Not only does my portfolio take a huge hit, now I'm out of a job too. And so it's kind of a double loss if something bad were to happen to the company. Um, mm -hmm. There are people that preach don't own or don't carry for long shares of your own company because of that risk. Now, again, none of this is financial advice and you got to do your own homework and consult professionals and so forth. But 
I'm just presenting kind of yeah. opposing viewpoints. Well, even the rules that. that you're talking about with, uh, you know, if I, I've never worked for a, I've never worked for a, um, uh, a fully publicly traded company. And, and uh, so I've certainly never gotten options from said publicly traded employer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure what, how the, the rules there would work, but I mean, if you're in that kind of a situation, you should absolutely be having, you should have a financial advisor who's going to advise you on, you know, what you should and shouldn't do with those things because yeah. you know, the, every situation is different. So you're definitely going to want to do that. Well, as soon as, um, as soon as you start talking equity in a company, particularly a public one, get yourself a CPA. If only you can ask them questions from a tax perspective. Oh to yeah. To make sure that you're not oh, eating yeah. more in taxes than you need to. That, that is financial advice. Go get a professional and listen to them instead of us. Like oh my that, gosh. 100%. That, that is, that is financial advice yeah. point blank. So anyway, you, you, I, I think you actually jumped a couple steps ahead than than I would. So, you know, for, for, for total newbies, you know, what is stock? So uh, you, on a public, on a public exchange, you know, a stock is a, a percentage share. Like you said, a million, you know, if you have a million yeah. shares, one stock is one, one millionth of that, of that company. Uh, the company has a total, uh, a total value. And that value is then divvied across each of its individual stocks. So by buying a single stock at whatever that rate is you own that that single stock that one that small percentage piece of that company that price is going to change but you can spend like i'm you know i i do some some individual investment on the side and so i'm looking at you know some of my portfolio right now and so because like, i love like digital ocean and i was gonna say because i love talking week. about digital ocean and how they absolutely <laughs> do not suck do not do. Don't cancel us, DigitalOcean. Don't cancel us. Uh, the show. Now remember. Now Frank said you should be jailed. We heard you that on the tape know, from last week. You do know we host the show on DigitalOcean, right? Like you do know <laughs> you did that, right? You remember setting that up and actually connecting it to DigitalOcean? I don't. No, no, I don't. I don't. I can remember what I had for lunch on October fourth of nineteen eighty four, but I cannot remember. I do where not. we actively host our current. Look, show. man, don't make don't make us move this to Azure. All right, don't don't make us go to some oh. trash platform. I would. I will. If, if we have to move this to Azure, I quit. That's the podcast <laughs> over. I'm not doing it. Goodbye, Microsoft perennial punching bag. <laughs> Goodbye. So anyway, Microsoft sucks. Digital. You know, we have two, you know, we have two tags for our episodes. We have, because we, we hit them so frequently. We have a JavaScript sucks and a Myers-Briggs sucks. And we're getting real close to needing a Microsoft sucks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. As long as we don't have a digital ocean sucks because they definitely do not suck uh, as, and I'm putting my money where my mouth is quite literally. So I just pulled up my, my, uh, my stock. I own five shares in them they they have a they have a stock value so this is about uh, each stock is worth a little less than 100 bucks so i have about 500 bucks worth of stock in DigitalOcean, and and you know i'm making a bet here that the you know the price i bought them at is you know that price is going to go up and so i'm going to make money on that stock by buying into the company, believing in them, they continue to grow and evolve. And that stock, they become a more valuable company, which increases the value of the stock. And at some point in the future, I sell that stock and I collect a, um, you know, I, I collect a dividend. I, I, I make some money on that investment. You make That's- profit. Yeah. And so let's, let's just, let's just go all in on the, on the whole, st- the market thing. So, so Frank, I'm going to commentate what you're saying for color. 
Uh, so Frank has opened a position in DigitalOcean. He has a position. He, he took action on the market. He's betting on the future of the company. He's betting because he bought shares and he will hold them. That's called going long. He's, he has a long position on DigitalOcean. He expects, he's betting, the price of that stock will go up over time. And at some point in the future, he may cash it out for more than he paid. And that's called a, that's called a capital gain. Right, so he bought in at one hundred dollars per share, and five years from now, it's trading at a thousand dollars per share. Then he'll have made five hundred dollars per share over that period of time, and that'll be his that'll be his gain should he choose to then sell the stock on the market. Mm-hmm. So he's long DigitalOcean. You'll hear people say, "Okay, so there you go. Th- thank you, thank you, stock nerd. I I appreciate it. Um, I just say I I like the company and I bought some stuffs to support the company. That's it." That's no, dude, dude, I have been so it's I, true. I have really been doing a lot of homework on markets. It's it's crazy that we're talking about this again because I've been doing a lot of homework on it lately. And all finance, just as a blank, it's off there are like four or five core concepts in finance, and the rest of it is just fancy words for compilations of those five things plus debt. That's it. Like the whole thing is engineered. Yep just to confuse you out of knowing what wall street is doing i'm i'm entirely convinced of that at this point i th- i think you might be i think you might be right it's it's possible there i mean like there's also you know, like any field you get deep enough into it they have their own terminology like we deal with this in tech of course legal deals with this finance does as well i think some of that is i think some of that is just the you know the the insider knowledge that comes with you know being deep in a space but there right but it's awfully obfuscation too i suppose but it's but it's awfully but it's awfully convenient for the people that hold all of the money to be able to have conversations when they hold part of your money specifically you don't know what they're saying in those conversations but that's that's awfully convenient that's if you and i are talking about code oh well I'm oh, Audacity. We use for the for the podcasts, and it's open source. And the one filter doesn't really work right, so I'm going to change the eigenvector to blah blah blah. Right? We can have that conversation at a cocktail party or in a press conference, and nobody gives a rip. Like it's nobody understands it, but they don't need to because nothing's riding on it, right? right? But when when the SEC or when the market makers or the clearing corporations or the hedge funds or anybody else can go and have a press conference and say a bunch of words, and Joe Q Public has no idea what they're saying, even though. Yeah. 40%, 60%, 100% of their 401k or IRA are invested with these same companies and those yeah. funds are managed by those people and you have no idea what the flip they're saying like that's a that's a real problem okay. to me. That's I mean that's a that's a good point. Cuz it can be it can be simplified. Like these are not oh, things yeah. that are irreducibly complex. They can be stated right. and part very of the, simply and they never are. There is definitely a cl- I, there's my there's tinfoil definitely hats a- on a little too tight this morning. I know. I know. <laughs> But you're not wrong. There's definitely some clickish behavior to it to try and keep, you know, keep the insiders in and the outsiders keep those out. Idiot normies out of yeah, it. Yeah, keep the keep the normies out of it for sure. Which is part of the reason why I think, gosh, part of the reason why I think that just the uh, meme stocks are so much fun to at least watch. I think that's that's a very it's it's very interesting to to see you know because the 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 intent there is to get a bunch of normies who are not traditional stock investors to band together and you know elevate a thing 
because they want to. It's 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 a it's a very it's a very interesting social experiment that is happening right now with this concept of meme stocks. I don't know how deep we should go into this right now, but you know, it's it's definitely a I really a fun I really want I really want to go really deep into that, but maybe it should maybe it should keep for another day. <laughs> all I will say, all I will say, buy DRS, hold, not financial advice. Wait a minute, DRS. Which one's DRS? Direct direct registration service. Oh, 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 so when okay. you buy, I thought that was so, I thought that was a sticker a, a, a ticker symbol. I'm like DRS. Oh What's no, the no, DRS? no. Actually, oh, it might DRS? be. It might be. I was gonna say it actually is. based on this conversation, and I know that this is part of the whole meme stock thing. If there's a ticker symbol DRS, maybe we should buy that just because of the the name bleed. <laughs> if you convince some fund manager, look, interest in 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 this company, in, look at the Google trend has skyrocketed in the last year. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs> it could, there could be some tomfoolery. There is a there. there is a DRSK and there is a DRS. Oh, oh, this might actually be worth buying just because of the name. There's a DRS HF called Drone Shield. Oh, man. Give me some Drone Shield. <laughs> Drone Shield, <laughs> DRS. Is that like a missile defense company? I, I'm sure. It, it, I bet it's one of these companies that has the anti-drone technologies. Have you seen these things with the? Yeah, they, they do the the, the, the RF guns, guns or the nets. RF guns, yeah. or the nets. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So Bond. Yeah. It's so much. They're so awesome. Of course, you know my favorite though has to be the uh, the anti-drone uh, shotgun slugs. Have you seen this? They actually no, make, I haven't. Yeah, shotgun slugs designed to be anti-drone. <laughs> Wait, a, an anti-drone slug? Slug? Yeah, I believe it's a slug. Yeah, because that, well, if you go that bird, doesn't make any sense. If you go well, if you go bird shot, there's a good there's a chance. I mean, given the distance, you know, the spread and the velocity might fall off. You might not actually knock it out of but the it, sky. But like a slug, you'll right. blast right through it. Right, but at that distance, you're gonna be be able to be accurate with a slug. Look, man, sense. I'm not saying. Look, this is what the, this is just what the marketing is saying. Okay, I'm not yeah, saying. Okay. That I, I'm not. I'm just I, telling you what I heard. Okay, I'm I'm attacking the idea. I am not, not that. Yeah, that's right. I am when not I'm attacking the you, you'll know it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm a salesperson for. It. I'm just saying I saw it. Anti drone shotgun slugs. Yeah. Anti. I I, I I'll see if I can find it. That's not the name of it. I just remember reading right, about right. it and thinking. Interesting. And I remember having the same thought you did because well, that seems like, why would I go for a shotgun? Makes why no wouldn't sense. I just do like, this sounds like I should just have a rifle. Like you're, you're trying to sell me something. That I should No, just, you would want shot. You, you would, would want think. like bird shot. Yeah. yeah. That's what it's for. Cause you can't aim that far away. Highly, whole, highly magnetized or, you know, maybe depleted yeah. uranium or something, something to like really <laughs> mess it up. <laughs> uranium. Turn your backyard into Chernobyl in three easy steps. Nuclear slugs. Awesome. The cool kind, not the gross, slimy kind. So, yes, a stock is one. What, what are we talking about? Oh, yeah. A stock is one nth uh, net equity in a publicly traded or privately uh, in, in, a, in a company. And on the market, that that ticker or symbol. Right. Mm -hmm. So DigitalOcean is uh, is DOCN on mm -hmm. on. I think they're NYSE, uh the New York Stock Exchange, NYSE. So, so ticker or symbol DOCN is DigitalOcean on NYSE. They're trading it down on $95, whatever it is. Uh, you can go and you can buy those shares, hold them. And if they go up over time, then you, then you make money. Now, what happens if I own shares in DigitalOcean and let's say it goes from $500 or I'm sorry, $100 today to $200 tomorrow and I sell them, I subtract the price I bought them at 
from the price I sold them at, right? If they sell at 200 and I paid 100, I make $100. And then along comes Uncle Sam for his piece of the action. And depending on how long you held those shares, uh, you'll either get charged, you'll get, you'll get assessed taxes on that transaction, uh, the difference, not the total. So if I bought a share at, at 100 and sold it at two, I don't get charged $200 taxes. I get charged the difference. Mm-hmm. So I you already charged, paid tax I, on the money that you invested. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So I get, I get charged on how much it grows. So if it grows $100, that's my taxable amount. And then uh, depending on whether how long I've held it, either that money will get charged at whatever my marginal income rate is for the year. Pardon me. Or I will get charged capital gains if I've held it more than a year, uh, which is a lower rate. Um, and that's basically the difference there. The income tax is always higher. Uh, because you get charged as income if you've held less than a year, uh, according to current rules. None of this is financial advice. Again, go find a professional. We're just a couple of jerks on the internet. Mm -hmm. Um, But if if for like day traders and stuff like that, that's why you're getting charged more if you've held it for less than a year. The idea is you want people to invest for the long term. You want to incentivize that kind of behavior. And so there's a tax advantage to doing it. Otherwise, you just get charged as income and so whatever. So if I'm at the 25% bracket and I make $100, I get charged 25, I get 75. So the stock price went from 100 to 200. I get to keep 75 of the difference. Please and thank you. Yeah. So that's kind of a primer on on trading a stock. So now I think now we're set up, we can we can go into options. Right. Okay. So that's that's what's actually happening outside in the market. Options are the thing that you actually get in most cases when you get a you know, when you get an offer from a company that has, um, that has stock. So the option is, uh, a stock option is probably better described as an option to buy a stock. It's a contract. It's a, it's a contract. And so what it says is effectively, I'm going to say this in the layman's terms, and then you can throw your highfalutin finance language on top of this if you want to. Um, what it says is, okay, we're promising you these uh, these shares we make a promise that you can buy this number of shares at this price and the price of those shares is fixed today so at the time that i offer you the options there is a there is a a, a price for these shares and that's the price that is going to be reflected on these on these options so that when you can buy them, which is a whole discussion in and of itself. When you can buy them, you will buy them at this rate, no matter what the current value of the of the actual stock is. And so the way that this works in practice, if you get in early, that stock price is going to be smaller. You know, you could have even, you know, there are stocks, they call them penny stocks, but you can buy stocks that are fractions of a cent, you know, super, super tiny. And so you could get in really early and pay almost nothing for the individual shares. And as the company, as the company grows, as the, as the stock value grows, they, those shares are worth more and more, but you're still only going to pay that, that, that small portion. So, you know, let's, for example, uh, if you get in and the, uh, this is called the strike price, you get in. And the the strike price, the price that you the company has agreed to sell them to you for, say a strike price is a buck. Okay, so one dollar per share. You spend a dollar, you get a share. And 
when uh, when you go to to buy them or exercise your options, as it's called, then you uh, you can buy them at a buck. But the time at which you buy them, let's say the company has grown. It's been a couple of years. And so now those shares are actually worth 20 bucks a piece. So you're spending a dollar on a share to make $19. And if this stock is fully mature and let's say the company is now public, you could, in theory, in a single day, exercise your options and purchase them. So now you actually have the, the stock. You paid a buck for each one of those shares but they're worth 20. And so you can then just turn around and on this public exchange, wherever your company's stock is, is traded, turn around and sell those shares for 20 bucks. Well, now you've made a, depending on how many shares you've got, pretty nice little, nice little uh, pot for yourself. And so that, that is the, you just netted, you just, well, you just grossed 95 if it if it's one dollar to 20 you know mm-hmm. in other words it's 19 value you've just grossed 95 percent of that stock price right which is pretty cool which is pretty awesome this is how the startup game is played this is why you hear the stories about this is why people are interested in in startups this is how you hear about people who worked for these dot coms and then you know uh, made tens big, of millions of and dollars make, yeah and then they walk away the 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 uh, the, the famous one that I that most people know is the um, it's it's either a chef or a massage therapist. I think it's the chef at Google. Was it the it was the chef at mm-hmm. Google wrote a book about I this. There's a chef at Google when Google was nothing. They paid the chef in st- in Google shares in options in options. Excuse me, and he is a self made. Multi-millionaire. There's a he's, book. He's now a book about he's it. now alone on an island outside of Iberia, right? It, literally, yes, <laughs> right. And because he was he was paid in in stock options, and he he converted them yeah. and walked away with a huge pile of cash. So that is yeah. that is how it works. Now there is nuance. For anything you want to add to that? Before I go into actually, like I was going to start talking about cliff investing and stuff like that, but before we get there, uh, yeah, I mean, you want to add I mean, to that? so an option as as an employee, if you if you get equity in the form of of stocks, usually restricted stock, and you're you're going to explain exactly what what the restrictions are, right, in terms of vesting or or mm-hmm. options, and options are essentially if you're if you're technical, um, an option is essentially equivalent to like a like a long at the money call, uh, if if you understand derivatives. So what that means is you know like you just said that just gives you the option to buy this stock way in the future, but for the current price. So if the price goes up, then that's worth the difference. Um, and it, so it tends to be the reason it's done is a, uh, it depends more heavily on the cost of, on, on the, uh, valuation of the organization, right? So if I, if I give you, if I own Chris Corp and Frank is my employee, um, and he's a he's a floor sweep. He's an intern floor sweeper. Like he's he's nothing to me. I I hate him. He's he's gum on my shoe. I think we get it. Um, back to my analogy. Let's say Frank is. <laughs> let's say so. Frank works for me. I give him one share of Chris Corp. At let's say it's trading today at fifty dollars, right? If in a year that share's worth only twenty five, Frank still makes twenty five bucks if he sells it. But if I give him an option then his option, and let's say they expire in five years, right? There's typically a five or 10, like a long-term expiry on these contracts. 
Right. Let's say I give them an option in the strike price, which just means whatever it's trading at today is $50. The only way Frank makes money on that is if it's worth more than 50 when he wants to exercise it. And so uh, typically they are structured to be a longer term investment and they're only worth anything unless the value of the company goes up. And so it's a strong lever for incentive. The other thing is it actually doesn't cost the company nearly as much today to give it to you. So it's actually kind of a win-win from the company's perspective, costs them less to give you now, and it's a strong incentive for performance over the long term. And then for the employee, um, sometimes they're more valuable than straight up stock units or, or shares uh, because you often get a lot more of them. Mm-hmm. So in a deal where you're offered, let's say, you know, restricted stock and options or, or an equivalent deal where you're offered one or the other, you'll typically get many more options. Um, and I don't understand why there's some formula that, you know, whatever. Well, that's actually the formula was the thing I actually, that was the part I actually wanted to talk about today because I have, oh, okay. I figured that out. Um, okay. So there's some so, equation, right? There's yeah. a basic equation that I'll, that I'll, that I'll run you through. Um, so a couple a couple things about options you you hear about uh, the cliff and you hear about the vesting and you know those those terms and strike price and if you're if you're interviewing with somebody who you know with a company and the company does this kind of thing they might rattle this information off at you and if you don't know what it is you might go uh, okay that sounds good yeah that's that's exactly what I expected those numbers to be right right in so, that range so Frank you just you just gave me a bunch of information I'm interviewing for your company. Um, and of course I'm not going to place higher than like entry level, uh, data entry person. What, what did you, you say me, I right? was? You said but I was the intern sweeper. Intern you are the, you are the sweeper. assistant to the intern assistant sweeper. to the, to the, so, I, so, so you just told me I'm in an interview with you. I asked you about equity and you just said, uh, that you give me, uh, a hundred options, whatever. Uh, and it's a it's a three year vesting with a one year cliff. What is I don't know what that means. Right. So yeah. So cliff investing. So you've got the 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 cliff means um, this is to this is this is the part to try and keep you on the hook and 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 with the company. That's what these that's what these are. It's also a it's also a fail safe in in a, in a certain sense. So the cliff is um, they usually say a one year cliff. What that means is. Okay, we're going to give you these shares, and it's usually not a hundred; it's usually in the thousands. I'm going to give you a thousand shares, and they have a one-year cliff. You can't buy any of them for at least a year. None of them are available for you to exercise for a year, and then after a year, there is a there is a cliff uh, or a, a catch-up where, uh, based on the vesting period, like you said, four-year vesting. So what that means is I, I'm actually going to back up and do vesting first. So well, I think vet- I'm going to rescind my application because I actually said three year and now you're oh, saying four, four. like <laughs> the, the double losing is- points, losing mm. points for uh, comprehension. So I think I'm going to withdraw and consistency. my consistency. Yeah. yeah. I mean, is this policy written somewhere? You guys don't even have a written policy, right. do you? I'm not, so, I don't want to go to work for a pointy haired boss. So you've got uh, so vesting over a three year period. All of those options will vest at a regular cadence. And so there's an equation. It could be quarterly. Yeah. There's a, you know, whatever. There's a, right. And there's a time-based calculation that you can do. And you will determine that you will earn 
n number of stocks of, of excuse me right. of options uh per quarter per month per week something yeah. and those then become available to you but because they don't want because they want people invested in the long term and because they don't want to just throw money out the out the door a lot of employees and you and I've talked about this you know employees watch out you know sometimes you know you, you get a dud and you know they don't work out and you don't want to waste money there necessarily. You want to actually have some time to ensure that they're a good fit for you and you're a good fit for them. So yeah. you have this cliff notion where, okay, the vesting is going to continue over that year period, but you don't actually get the ability to exercise those options what? for a year. And so the what it be they call it a cliff because if you look at a chart, if you look at a line graph of how many options have matured, as they say. It's this steady climbing uh, line. It's it's nothing until year one. It's nothing so, until so year one, like, and so it spikes yeah, so, up, and so it looks like a cliff. Yeah. That's why they call it that. So it, so it, so a thousand options over three years with a one year cliff. What that means is essentially the, the three year schedule. Let's say it's quarterly, right? Okay. Uh, we can do the would, math. You know what? Let's so, do the math yeah. right now. So we've got. I'm going to yeah, pull up the calculator. I'm do it. Right. So, so we got a <laughs> thousand shares. Okay. We got, and, and it's we've over got, a three year. Three year a thousand times shares quarters. with a three-year schedule so times 12. quarter. So that's a 1,000 divided by 12, mm -hmm. right? And you're going to get your shares every quarter. So normally you would get about 83 shares every quarter over three years. Mm -hmm. Now, what that is, that's a long-term incentive for you to perform for the company and for everybody to perform for the company. And so at the, period, at the end of 36 months, you will have vested all of your 1,000 shares. What the cliff does is say, yeah, but hang on, you're not going to get any of those shares from the first year until the end of your until your one year anniversary right so what that means is uh times four you're going to get no shares for 11 months and 29 days and then on the one year anniversary 333 shares are going to vest and then Poof. after that you're going to get 83 more per quarter for the remaining eight quarters of that 36 month period so if you graph that over time it looks like a cliff it's nothing 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 shoots up Spike, and, then and then slowly gradual. grows after that point, right? right? That's what they call it, the cliff. And right. so that, where the options themselves are the long-term incentive, the cliff is your short-term incentive, right? Because right. you're not just going to start, work for a quarter, get a couple of shares, hop to a new job and do that all around the industry and then just wait for one of them to moon and then bank out. Like that That helps nobody. Right, exactly. And so so now you've got, let's say we're at the one-year point and you now have a, a pile of mature options. Okay, well, that's that's good. What that means at that point, it, you know, if if they have matured, if the company has a a um a sales event, and uh, or let's take the easy example, they're already public. Okay, so they're already public. I mean, those 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 uh those stock options are now available to you at that fixed price that you agreed upon a year ago. So you have, and you now have. See the thing is, here's the part that I think a lot of people screw up. At that one-year cliff and then this vesting, the options mature. That does not magically mean that at that one year, you now own that stock. You have- Right. You the, own a contract that lets you buy it for whatever that Correct. Price this is the part that's that people miss. not the same miss. as you own. Not the same yeah. thing. This is the difference between the option and the stock. You have the option now to buy that stock so if you, at the strike price that you agreed upon a year ago. And so- right. You can buy those options now. You can buy those stock 
shares now via your options and convert those options into shares. And now you have stock the way that we were talking about it at the start of the right. show. Where so, we're going through the stock market and all that crap. So why, why, why spend time on the difference there? Because like either I have them or I can exercise this contract and get them. There's no difference. Well, there is. There is. Because if that stock, if let's say it's a public company, let's, let's say that, or a private, it doesn't actually, it doesn't matter. You have options that are vested and the company pays out a dividend, which is money that it returns to the shareholders because business was good. You don't get a dividend if you're an options holder. All you have is a contract that you could go buy stock you don't actually have stock. Dividend only goes to stockholders. So if there are dividends that you want to partake in, then you would be incentivized to exercise some of your options and basically transform those contracts into real stock. Yeah. Now, there's actually another big gotcha here that a lot of people don't think about either. The options are your ability to exercise options is 99 times out of 100 tied directly to your employment. So if you Let's say you hit yeah, your cliff. Yeah, that's a good point. So that's you hit your point. cliff, okay? You now have these options that have invested. The next day, you leave, okay? You I've leave been with the a company. company 18 months. I have 500 options vested. Right, and then you decide like a dummy to walk out the door without exercising your options. Here's what happens. Guess you what? You get yeah. nothing. You get 99 times squat. out of 10, those options expire with your employment. Whereas so, stock, if I if I exercise those options and then quit tomorrow, mm -hmm. now I walk away with 500 shares. But if they're options, I usually almost never do I walk away with anything. You don't walk away from the, you cannot walk away with the options. And there, there are usually explicit callouts too for termination, which is part, again, it's part of the incentive structure. Yeah. Do a yep. good job and you can, yeah. you can do these things. So when you're, so what you could do is you could wait for your cliff, you could let that mature, then you could purchase your, convert your options into stock. Now you own that stock. That is yours. The company legally cannot take it from you. You can walk out the door. Those options go with you and there's nothing they can do about it. And so at that point, any, uh, any stock events, you are going to benefit from. And so maybe you didn't let all three years mature. You let, you know, a year mature, you still have something. You walk away with yeah. that, and you're in pretty good shape. You know, it's 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 not a bad and the, it's not a bad deal necessarily. Um, but the longer you stay, there's the one more, more options that mature. Yeah, there's there's one more corner case uh, that we should discuss that you, that that comes up um, that you're actually not disadvantaged if you're an options holder. Typically, what will happen if you if you hold options contracts and there's a stock split, which does happen from time to time. Yep. Let's say Microsoft splits. What does that mean? Okay. Microsoft is trading at $70 per share, right? Hypothetically. And I hold a share of Microsoft. And if there's a stock split, what that means is now there are twice as many shares of Microsoft. Everybody we didn't have enough share shares. Now has, we didn't have enough yeah, shares they, they're to service the market. They're trying to add they're liquidity diluting, to, to allow more yeah, investors. There's, there's too much. There isn't enough diluting, stock for the market. Yeah, they're diluting to provide liquidity. So, so now everybody that had one share at 70 now has... On day one, on day two, two shares they have two 30. shares at 35. Right. Oftentimes, if you hold options, your options will also split if the stock splits. That's true. Yes. Your, your options will split. So and that's a, it's a you corner case lose. that you're actually, right, right. You, can, you, you lose out. As an options holder, you lose out on that split arrangement. Now, what I'm Usually, not sure, though, not always, and I just, this is, this is experience. I'm not sure if you hold options that split, 
like let's say let's say I don't know ticker price for Chris Corp is forty bucks, and I have okay. options with a strike price of two. Um, mm-hmm. If there's a split tomorrow, I mean they can offer to. Do I mean, I, there if there's contr- a split tomorrow, do I? Well, let me yeah. finish. By, oh, if sorry, there's sorry. a split tomorrow, do I have two options? Is this the strike pl- price split? So, or do I just that- have two options of twenty? Like this ticker is now twenty, and I have two options at strike price of two. I don't know. So, so the option is a is a contract that says we're holding these shares for you. We have a promise that these shares are available to you. Now, how they handle splits, I think, I think can be handled differently, and your contract could stipulate whether or not they would be um, eligible or no. Well, I mean, the company can split. I mean, the company can the company can do whatever they want, pretty much. I'm just asking. I don't know if it's normal if the strike price gets cut in half during like a two to one split or if, I, stri- or if you just get twice as many. I, I believe the common thing to do is for them, for, you know, if I've got a thousand shares and a thousand options and the stock splits, I now have 2000 options. Like my options increase. No, 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 I understand. I understand oh, okay. you get twice as many options. Does the strike price of those options change? Oh, 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 good point. I don't know. Like, like if yeah. I have a thousand shares with a strike price of two, do I now have two thousand at two or two thousand at one? Uh, this is absolutely a, this is a, a question thousand at two and a thousand at right. one. Like, I just don't know what's common there. I'm not. I don't. I, have that you experience. know what? Now I want to go ask my financial advisor how this works, just because I'm I'm yeah. intellectually curious about it. I'm not. And sure. again, your company. This none of the, this none of this is financial advice. Uh, go buy GameStop. But but <laughs> the like, I just don't know what's common in that scenario. Right. Okay. I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm, that's a, that's a good question. Hey there, future Frank here making corrections for dumb past Frank and Chris. So whether you have an option or a share, a split affects them the same way. If my strike price, let's say I have a hundred shares, uh, of a company with a strike price of 75 bucks. If the stock then splits two to one, so it's going to double the number of uh, available shares, my options, I would now have 200 shares. That that contract, because that's what options are, as we've been talking about, it's a contract. That contract would control 200 shares and the strike price would be cut in half from $75 to $37.50. There are other splits that you can do as well. Sometimes they do things like three for two. And if in the case of a three for two, my option would control 150 shares with a strike price of 50. So it all depends on the ratios, how this works out. The key though, that I'm correcting dumb past self about on this one is that whether it's a share or whether it's an option, a split affects them the exact same way. And you are not in fact screwed at all. And you don't even have to really do anything. It's something you should be aware of and you should keep an eye out for it, but you're good. You've, you've got your investment and it's not going anywhere. They're just changing some of how it's tallied. So anyway, yeah. I brought, so I brought all this up because if there's options on, if there's options available, they're on the table, you should ask. Um, mm-hmm. They are an easy way to negotiate um, promotions up. and raises. Most companies, when yeah. you get promoted, they'll offer you increased pay and some combination of increased pay and increased stock. And if you're really if you believe in the company and you're in it long term, you might want to actually push for more stock over increased yeah. pay because that might have a really nice payoff at the at the end of the day. Um, and because of the way that stocks and options show up as liabilities and assets on the books, it's often it's like 
it's like PTO or vacation days. Right. It's or, almost like play money. Uh, work at home. It's it's like it's one of those soft things that's often a lot easier to negotiate than base comp. Most the hiring manager. Are, yeah. I may say, look, I have one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year base comp. At this is my budget per finance. And if a candidate comes in that I really like that wants more, I may not have the ability to change that number. But maybe I can give you another week of time off or maybe I can go and get you more options or it's one of those one of those other levers you have in the negotiating process. And if you're bullish on the company and if you're looking for somewhere, you're looking to be somewhere long term could really pay a lot more than a few extra bucks in base comp. Right. Exactly. Not that it's a not to present a false alternative situation. It could be both. Right. Go for both. Right. Why not? But yeah, why not both? Um, All right. So. That that brings us to the point of okay, well, I'm negotiating. I'm in an IP. I'm in a company that's pre-IPO, so there isn't actually a stock value because there's not a publicly traded stock value. So what the hell right. are these shares, these 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 stocks, actually worth? And so you're offering me okay. So we said a thousand shares. What if it's ten thousand? What if it's twenty? You know, okay. You're offering me eleven right. billion shares. Yeah. What now I have a contract for a promise. For a promise. <laughs> it's a like, contract of a dream. Yeah. For, for uh, you know, for a company that's not public yet, what the hell is this worth? And I mean, the answer is nothing. I mean, right now they're they're worth nothing. There is a they'll agree to a strike price, but that's really. I mean, it's pretty much whatever the company wants. Like they do their own sort of internal evaluation to determine what their 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 price is. So how do you actually value your stocks and, 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 you know, how, you know, how can you negotiate and push for more and things like that? Okay. So there's an easy equation that you can think about the way that, and I got to say, you know, having worked with the company I've been with now, I have a lot of, uh, I I have a lot more contacts now on the West coast. This is something that the, you know, the Silicon Valley's, this is something they dial in really, really well. Um, I didn't realize this until recently. So the the basic equation is that your stock when it matures after 3 or 4 years is you know it's usually one of the two those are the common uh, moves yeah after 4 years that stock should be worth roughly equivalent to the salary that you did earn in that same time period so let's say that i'm making so, 100,000 so- bucks Okay, so I'm making a hundred thousand bucks a year. So after four years, I'm going to skip all the tax and all that crap. Just nice round numbers. Mm-hmm. So after four years, I make four hundred thousand dollars. I will have made four hundred thousand dollars. I should at that point also have a pile of stock options that, if I executed and then sold off, would be worth four hundred thousand dollars, roughly. So okay. the idea is. Stick with us. You'll make money at your job, and you get this nice big payoff, and effectively double your money at the end of it. Stay that's, long enough, you double your your gain. And the, by the way, any of those options have, and I don't know options contract because you're converting them to stock. So any options mm-hmm. at least before. Okay, so it's it's your fourth anniversary with the company. You just okay. vested your final options. your final option. Okay. Um, if you exercise them all. I don't know if your cost basis would be because you purchased the stock on that four year anniversary. I don't I don't think your cost basis would be 
your cost basis might be that. De- I don't know how this would work from an accounting. So, but either way, regardless, I'm going down a rabbit hole. Yeah, I was going to say, where are you going? I make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Really tight today. I agree. No, no, that's not conspiracy. That's just I don't know what the cost basis is for exercising. I know. Let's I'm just making fun of you wearing tinfoil hats. That's all. I'm just making fun of you. Yeah. Well, well it was on a little too tight earlier. I'll it was. Admit, I'll admit that. Yeah. I've been I've been looking at super stonk too much. Um. <laughs> so, uh, the options. I, now I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. So I make hundred thousand dollars a fault. year. Uh, now my options should be worth about four hundred. Okay, that's the idea. Now this is the this is not a perfect exact science because you come in the door. The other thing to keep in mind is uh, you know you come in the door, you're offered a pile of stock. As you grow in the company, you're going to get offered more stock, and uh, that those if you get a new stock offering because of a promotion, um. You might, that's going to have its own vesting schedule. And I mean, they can do, I mean, every company is different. Every set of options are different. You can do different things here. Some, you could normally, the default would be another cliff and another three years, but there's nothing stopping that company if for employees that they really like, Hey, we're going to forgo the cliff. You've already earned the cliff be, you know, coming in the front door. These, these options are going to start vesting immediately or you know, after a one-year cliff, you know, it's not a one-year cliff, it's a six-month cliff or something like that. They can do different kinds of things. But traditionally, if you get another pile of options, it comes with its own, it will come with its own schedule and it won't, it's not going to count, you know, your past vesting schedule is not going to count towards the new one. But that doesn't mean that they can't negotiate that kind of stuff. They can. Um, and that, so, I mean, that could even be an annual bonus. Uh, of mm-hmm. sorts, right? So, so when I start, I'm offered a thousand shares over 36 with a one year cliff. And then every year, every December 20th, I get another 500 shares over three years with a one year mm-hmm. cliff. And so there's this layering effect. That this happens. layering to keep, and, and it's just more to keep you stringing along. Well, maybe it'll get bigger. Maybe this will be more value. And so it's more incentive. So a company that does this right recognizes the incentive here and layers it appropriately they have to show the growth and so there actually is i mean it is a mutual contract there's a you know the company has a they now have an incentive to keep things growing to keep you on the hook because you are they yeah they've, they've got to have liquidity stock. because because they're going to be the counterparty to these contracts right it's and, the company and, offering it to you right and they i mean they have a uh, you know they have a vested interest in keeping you they've offered you this stock they want it to keep growing which is the thing that entices you to stay on and so you know, there are, you know, so there, there's definitely a mutual uh, effect to this. Places that are smart about it will, will offer a lot of stock. They'll, they'll be generous with offering the stock because it's an easy ask, like you said. Um, but that does not preclude companies from being stingy with it either. And you need to keep an eye out for that because that's, that's an indication that, hey, maybe we could do, you know, maybe I could do better. You know, maybe there's, there's, yeah. you know, and I, it, it, it speaks to have the savviness of the, of, and none of, of this, and none of this speaks to dilution. So if, right. you're, if you're, if you're pre IPO, like, okay, so a split is, I don't know whether that's technically considered a dilution or not, because you, you retain, essentially retain market cap and stakeholders retain their percentage ownership. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't really feel like dilution to me. Um, it's more of a liquidity thing. Uh, but a dilution event, like, let's say, it's a it's an early stage startup. We're not IPO'd. We're not exited. You get a thousand shares out of a million. Okay, so you have you have point uh, one percent of the company. Well, next year 
they decide they're out of money and they're going to bring in a new venture capital, a series yep. B or C, they're mm-hmm. going to bring in money. And in order to compensate the investors for the cash influx, they're going to say, okay, well, we're going to offer another million shares of the company. Well, now instead of owning 0.1% of the company, mm-hmm. you own 0.05%. There's because also they rule- just diluted your shares. And there are different classes of stock uh, where some is. stock is some stock is protected from dilution and others aren't. And that's, I don't think we have, I don't think we have, we definitely don't have enough time, but the, the the notion there is that get us. Yeah. Ask for equity during your interview, uh, during your negotiation and get a CPA and get a CPA and have them look through it because the, the protected class stuff, that's where you can really get, um, did you ever see the, did you ever see the Facebook movie? Um, I forget what it was called. Actually it may have been called the Facebook movie. I can't remember. No. Um, okay. So, um, We'll link the we'll link the movie in the show notes. The um, there's a it's the backstory of the 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 growth of Facebook and how uh, Zuckerberg completely hosed his one of his original partners in the mm-hmm. in the company by doing this Deluding. kind of a stock dilution yeah. scheme and reduced reduced this this uh, this original uh, investor's ownership to practically nothing. And and got almost nothing. Uh, he took uh, he uh, he took him to court, and I think they settled out. And uh, it was never released. It was never disclosed. And parties, you know, they signed non disclosures. It's generally understood that Facebook paid this guy untold millions of dollars for you know this yeah asshole move. Well, it on, becomes on, on Zuck's like part. Like you can get into those kind of boardroom politics where oh, yeah. there's there's a power oh, yeah. balance and it's directly related to share equity yep. and some of them are dilutional and some of them are not. Right, and, and, so and the investors want to get paid event, back first. That changes the power balance and yeah. all of this kind of stuff. So it's often the case, like a founder, you think, oh, founder, uh, you know, uh, garage, garage founder story, IPOs, now he's worth billions. Elon Musk is worth trillions of dollars. Okay, let's, First of all, somebody that gets from a single guy in a garage to an IPO event with a company of a thousand people and so forth, he's diluted down. He's had to sell off the lion's a share of his of equity it. in his own company. He probably doesn't own more than 10% of his own company in a lot of cases at that point. But it's he's a had big, to, he's had to, sh- right. It's a big piece still, of a 10% big pie. of a huge number. Yeah. He's still a bit. No, that's not my point though. My oh, point oh, is. Sorry. It's not like that guy owns the whole company anymore because right. he's had to take investors all along the way and he's given them equity along the way for that money. And so he probably has 10% or less of his organization. The second thing is market cap is bullcrap, right? So if I look at it and say, okay, I have a thousand shares of my company and they're trading at $10 each, right? The stock ticker for Chris Corp is, is $10 and there's a thousand shares in the market. My market cap, market capitalization is just ticker price multiplied by number of shares. Mm-hmm. So my market cap is $10,000, 10 times a thousand. That's a meaningless number though, because as soon as somebody like an Elon starts dumping his, I don't know, Tesla stock on the market because he's uh, whatever reason, uh-huh. as soon as you start selling shares, that puts downward pressure on the symbol and your market cap is going to decrease. You, in other words, even if somebody went IPO, they still, a founder, maintained 100% of their of their ownership in the company and then tried to sell all of those shares to bank out it's not going to make $10,000 like that's not the way that market cap works and so that's it's a metric 
but it's not always a very and that's why metric. that's why I, I I have a real problem with the with the media where they talk about these guys only like Zuckerberg has you know right billions of dollars his net this, this worth is not this is not cash. so much of that. It's, so it's much of lot. that is stock it's that stock. he would have to sell that he and would give have up to sell or options not, value, contract right, so, value, derivatives. Yeah, yeah, so he does not actually have any of that money. He has money in the bank, of course, but he does not have all that in the bank, you know, to to go and play with. No, but when he, right, he, but when he they has say to sell, that, but here's the thing: you you talked about you know selling the shares, and so it makes news. Like I have seen it where Zucker, it makes news that Zuckerberg sold, sells off a chunk of his stock that becomes a newsworthy right. event and you can see the stock price dip when he does that and so what the what the founders actually have to do is they have to trickle it out they have to do it slowly over time which actually if you think about it makes a lot of sense because now he is he is slowly phasing himself out of the company but he's still obviously involved and as he dilutes but the company maintains its strength it, it is evidence that, hey, this company is solvent and productive yeah. and profitable without him in the mix. And as he comes out and the stock price maintains, okay, we're good. And so it's actually a, a nice safety check on the, yeah. uh, the and, owners. And directors, directors and owners, I mean, they, they take profits all the time. It's not sure, a of big course, deal. Yeah. Uh, but it can it can create a reinforcing cycle, right? So CEO dumps a bunch of shares. Simply doing that, the volume weighted average price, like the ticker's going to decrease if you dump enough shares at a time, right? Because that that sell pressure has meaning. And then, well, what if somebody interprets it as founder knows something about the strategic direction or future financial uh, viability of the organization, and and nobody else knows yet? They could take this as a market signal that it's time to get out. So either I'm yep. going to sell mine too, or I'm going to yep. short it, and so. At any rate, if if a founder's dumping a bunch or any any director, any owner dumps a bunch at once, usually the next question is, is this profit taking or is this a market signal? Yeah, yeah exactly. Why? Um, right. And so that becomes a whole other topic of of inquiry. Do you remember it? You know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Super augmented no, silent. Not that one. one. Oh, my gosh. That's, we didn't. I'm, we are. We didn't this, pick anything. This is. No, we, we did not. Actually, I have a pick. OK, that was you it. That a was a that was right, a typo. But I'm gonna, and I, I have gotta, one too. Oh, you do? Cool. Uh, yeah. So I have. Oh crap! The uh, you go first. I gotta. I gotta look mine up. Oh, no, I got mine. Never mind. I go first. <laughs> uh, so there is that a. Was, that was really that fast. That was a sampling of your inner Wasn't monologue it? that I wish I had not had to taste. All right. There is from uh from I think it's Stripe. You know who you you know who yeah, Stripe yeah. is. Yep. Okay. The the online paying platform focused mainly on devs uh they have they've gotten into publishing they have a digital magazine that has a print edition print edition this is new stuff that you can do and you can actually get print in your mail uh oriented at technical audiences and it goes it talks about stuff like multi-platform and devops and you know micro architectures and scaling and mobile development and testing all kinds of fun stuff it's called Increment. So if you go to increment.com, they've done 18 issues so far. It releases monthly and you can get it in print, which I think is amazing. Um, not the company. I have to thank one of my engineers, Kevin, for uh, uh, pointing this out to, to my team. Um, he's been a big fan of them and he just uh, reminded everybody about it the other day uh, during a meeting. And so it's a really, really cool uh 
thing that you can get into. It's really in, it's interesting in that this so is this a is publications a, from so this Stripe. Is a, this is a this is a dead tree tech magazine from Stripe. Yeah, it's it's a pub. They they All have right. basically they've produced, it, but it's a standalone. Like you don't see Stripe on the on any of it. It's really interesting that they have pushed this out uh, from a you know from a fir- from a company that has no direct like it's Stripe. Like it, it has nothing to do with publishing or or writing, and yet like they have a full publishing house. Um, so kind of not the place you would expect it from, but just a really interesting indicator of the market that there's still an interest and a, and a desire for this kind of, for, for, for print media, uh, even in a digital world. Oh, I world. love it. And it's really cool stuff. And it's really well done. This is, this to me, one, it's good content. Two, this is interesting to watch from a develop, from a cultural development perspective, how this is, how print media will evolve moving forward. So that's my recommendation. Go check out increment.com. You can read it online or you can get it in print, which is really cool. So what's yours? No, that's, that's interesting. I really, I like, I'm actually a huge fan of print. Um, I, my Me wife too. has a Kindle. She loves it. I don't really, I buy, I don't buy eBooks. I buy actual dead trees. I read books on, on Kindle, but if it's a business book, things with graphics, visuals, anything like that, I want dead tree. I want to be able to see the chart. I want to be able to, yeah. you know, anyway. Yeah, but even like, uh, you know, like Wired, I, you know, Wired, I have Wired magazine. I just like if I'm if I'm reading in down like early in the morning or in the evening, I don't want to be looking at a screen. You know, yeah. I just I want to. That's uh, and there's a couple of um, couple of mainstream and one that's pretty high end, uh, like woodworking magazines. Those are dead. I, they have digital versions, but I don't. I just don't consume that. I don't know. And I and even uh, reports uh, like the SEC report that the staff report that came out last month, or um, there was something we talked a, a bunch of weeks ago about. Um, we found an article that was, I think, co-published by that was uh, some university and Microsoft and the Defense Department about whether open source is actually more secure. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I will literally I will take a 20 or 40 page PDF report and print it. To You'll read print it. Like, that? I won't. Good Lord. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. I just I can't. I don't know. For for working, I, I can look at a screen for 18 hours in a day and it doesn't phase me. But for reading, for reading's sake. I can't do it. Like it just, hmm. it drains me. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just like a weakling. I don't know. Okay. So what you had to pick as well? Uh, yeah. Go to your local GameStop store and oh, uh, look. <laughs> and no, buy I like some this. video games and maybe some stock and maybe some stonks while you're at it. If if I hear if they're you selling them the- in the storefronts now too, you can just walk in and buy some stonks. Buy some stonks. If if you want to make the independent investor decision to purchase GME, then that's that's uh you know that's up to you. No, but I like this this increment as uh, as our pick for the day. This, All right. I'm gonna buy this increment and maybe some GME if you feel like it. Super augmented, silent, and deadly. I just might end up enjoying this. If you have uh, recommendations for dead tree print magazines. We want them. Please share them with us. Uh, email feedback at refactor.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also email us a little voice recorder on your little device there with your little, oh, your little your device, little your little thingy. And little you can send us, thingy. send us a little email. And little we'll play old-timey. Play the little thing on on our show here. Uh, <laughs> you little people. No. Um, no, <laughs> please please connect with us. Please let us know what you think. Uh, refactor.org is where you'll find our show archives, show notes, resources, um, etc. 
You can find more of Frank's ramblings online at hotcoals, K-O-E-H-L-S.com, and my own incoherent musings at chris.tonkinson.com. This, I believe, has been episode 46 for November 9th. Thanks very much, Frank. Thanks, buddy. See you. 